Blog Talk Radio.
a late night here on King Jordan Radio, WrestleMania night. As WrestleMania has just gone off the air literally minutes ago, it is either Monday, April 3rd, or late uh, Sunday night, April 2nd, uh, depending where you're listening. This is the King Jordan Radio uh, WrestleMania post show. A lot of interesting things went down. Um, I'll just say right off the gate, I think they should have had the Goldberg match last. But we'll discuss that and more with our uh, wrestling analyst, Double J, who joins us this evening. Good evening, Double J. How are you? Hey, King. Like you said, what a a night. WrestleMania 33. What did we witness tonight? We're going to get into it and break it down. Uh, you know, it was a hell of a show. I think they went all out to make this year's WrestleMania a big WrestleMania. Some big moments, some surprises. And you know, what's the future of some of these superstars? I guess time will tell tomorrow, the night after WrestleMania. Uh, but uh, much like the song by uh, Flo Rider, you know, I'm ready to go. Great song indeed. That was uh, part of it. But, uh, wow, it- It literally went, what, from uh, 7 o'clock Eastern to a little bit over midnight Eastern, which is what, if you count the pre-show, that's... Exactly. I mean, I was watching since the pre-show, and the pre-show started, you know, here in Chicago about 4 Central. So, I mean, we're talking about over six, seven hours of wrestling. I mean, this was unbelievable. This is a long, long, exhausting night, man. I'm burnt out. It was crazy. They did kick things off with the uh, AJ Styles versus uh, uh, Shane McMahon, and that was a good way to go. As actually, the program is still ending, I believe, with the Undertaker getting a big ovation. I I do have to let you know I didn't realize that until I just saw that, but uh, we'll get to Undertaker later, but... For now, I'm just saying he's getting a pop. I won't tell you who won yet, but we'll get yeah. into that as uh, I'm watching it. I had did some have, have some issues, like because uh, I had it from uh, laptop to television, and we mm-hmm. had the shaking. Uh, it would stop. So about a dozen times that happened, and it hasn't yeah. happened in a couple of years. So yeah. I don't know how what medium you were watching it on, but uh, do you have any issues? Yeah, I actually had a few issues tonight watching the WWE Network. I originally started watching it on my uh, tablet, on my iPad, and at first it started out on the pre-show okay, and then all of a sudden on the main show it got kind of fuzzy, and then it just pretty much stopped dead at track, and it like logged me out, and I was like, oh crap, you know, what the hell, here I'm, you know, paying to see WrestleMania. But luckily, I had my phone on me, so I had the network on my phone. I hooked my phone up on the WWE app, and I was able to watch it on my phone. But eventually, I'm trying to watch it, you know, on my tablet, which is a bigger screen, so I have to get out of my phone. You know, it's just a lot of unnecessary work. You know what I mean? It's something that you would just like to be able to sit down, watch it with no interruptions, no fuzzy, blurry, buffering, you know. You don't want to be logged out of the damn network, so that's... That can be very frustrating. I had some issues, uh, but eventually it did clear up, and I was able to watch the rest of the show on the tablet. 
that was good. Uh, that's good at least. So no issues on on your uh, phone. You're saying? Yeah, my phone was actually a lot better. I didn't have. Uh, I mean, it got yeah, blurry, but it never. I believe it. I think is his, his mm. wife, a blonde-haired lady. I I saw him just kiss uh, a lady that was blonde. I would take it that was his wife. There was a young girl next. Uh, I don't know if you're watching as we speak. But we were originally supposed to start a half hour earlier, uh, but we changed it because, uh, uh, you know what? I don't think WrestleMania last year went this long, did it? Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think WrestleMania went this long. I know it started early. It had an early pre-show like this year, but this year is going into overtime. But I think you know why, as we're going to get into what's happening right now, as it's still going on. WrestleMania is still, still going, going on. on. We'll tell you why. Yeah, I mean, they're going into extra time for a reason, though, so we'll get into that. Absolutely. Um, well, we did have the pre-show with the over-the-top Battle Royal and uh, Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, whatever you want to call it. Um Bit surprised, or uh, uh, you know, that was pretty interesting with Rob uh, Kwiatkowski from the Patriots. Uh, mm-hmm. Not a Super Bowl champ. Well, he did win the championship, but he was injured, so I guess he wanted to be uh, a part of this one. What you think of that? First of all, yes, this was very. Uh, you know, the WWE. It, it is WrestleMania, so that shouldn't come to a surprise to a lot of fans who maybe might have been upset. But, yeah, this is WrestleMania. The celebrities come out. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, big part of the you know NFL, big name. He's been associated with Mojo Raleigh. So they've been showing him on, like, uh, you know, Instagram, and they've been doing a lot of hype videos where they're training, getting ready for this battle royal. So, I mean, there was a lot of sort of hype, you know, going into this. And Mojo's all about staying hype. So, again, WrestleMania, celebrity, it shouldn't have came too much of a surprise. But, see, you know, when we made our predictions, I base it as a wrestling fan. I'm a wrestling fan. I always have been. And I looked, and I've been watching the career of Braun Strowman, a guy who I was not a fan of when they brought him on. He was a guy who I was not a fan of. I heard rumors of how they wanted to launch him and be the next big man in the WWE, and I was not a fan of him. I didn't want to see him against Undertaker. I didn't want to see him win the the Battle Royal last year. But something changed when they did the draft. And when they did the draft, they started using him correctly. They made him feel like a monster. They made him feel like a real force in the WWE with all his squash matches, and they felt legitimate. And uh, I sort of sort of grew into a bit of a fan of him. I wanted to see him have that big moment. So it was to me, it was between Big Show and Braun. I wanted to see these two giants come face to face and be the last two men in the Andre the Giant, you know, battle royal. But to my surprise, man, Big Show got eliminated. I think first, and I was like, wow. I mean, I thought this could have been Big Show's moment. I mean, he already won the Andre the Giant battle royal one of the previous years. But uh, I I really thought it was going to be between him and Braun. And then, again, to my surprise, I'm thinking, okay, if Big Show's out, they got to have Braun. Braun's going to win this. He's going to destroy people. And if you remember his performance in the Royal Rumble this year, Braun damn near eliminated half the roster. Braun was so impressive 
in the Royal Rumble. I thought it was a sure thing that he was going to win this. And, again, he got tossed out. So there's, there's my two picks. The big show, Braun. I'm thinking, well, who the hell's in here? Who could win this? Uh, you know, they had some guys like Ziggler who was getting tossed out and coming back in. And I'm thinking, well, who could really benefit from, you know, the Andre the Giant Battle Royal? And I just I couldn't really put my finger on it. I thought, well, maybe Mark Henry. Mark Henry, another big man. You know, I don't know how much longer he's got left in the tank. This could be a big moment for Mark Henry. And then Mark Henry got eliminated. You know, Mark Henry got eliminated, and then it came down to, you know, Jinder Mahal and a guy from NXT who some people might not be familiar with on the main roster, uh, you know, Killian Dane, who's a part of Sanity with Eric Young and NXT with Nikki Cross and Alexander Wolfe. So I was a bit surprised to see Killian Dane in this battle royal. But when he got eliminated, uh, I was like, wow, this is really coming down to Mojo Rally. He's got a lot of momentum. He was partnered with Zack Ryder not too long ago. They had some momentum. It looked like they might be the next tag team champions. Unfortunately, Zack Ryder got hurt. So Zack Ryder's out of the picture. But they gave that momentum to Mojo. You know, Zack Ryder had his WrestleMania moment last year winning the Intercontinental title. And I guess now Mojo Raleigh, he had his moment, his big WrestleMania moment this year with his buddy, uh, Rob Dostoevsky, who was ringside. And it was kind of interesting because Jinder Mahal kind of went ringside, got in his face, tossed a drink in his face, and then all of a sudden he was ready to come over that barricade, and security stopped him. And I was like, whoa, okay, so obviously he's not going to get involved. Security stopping him. Then all of a sudden security was like, yeah, screw it, let him get in the ring. So <laughs> that was kind of odd. So then Rob Gronkowski gets in the ring, kind of does a, a pounce, a shoulder tackle, and, uh, you know, he gave Mojo a little help. And, uh, you know, Mojo eventually, uh, he was the one of the last men in the ring. He, he won. Mojo Rally, your Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal winner, following in the footsteps of Baron Corbin, Big Show, and Cesaro. I don't know what that means for Mojo Rally or what he'll do on SmackDown. He's a SmackDown Live competitor whether or not he gets maybe a title shot at the Intercontinental Champion, Dean Ambrose. Did he get a, a title shot even against the world champion, the new world champion? Uh, I don't know what's, what's in the card for Mojo, but it seems like the WWE is, you know, giving him a little bit of a push. Having a celebrity in his back pocket, I guess, doesn't hurt. But I was a bit surprised. I, I would have never picked Mojo Rally. Yeah, yeah. So uh, tell us about the next match. Well, one of the first matches of the night that kicked off the pre-show was the Cruiserweight title. The Cruiserweight title, Neville defending against Austin Aries. Uh, You know, this was a a bit of a match I was really looking forward to seeing. You know, I'm a big fan of Neville. His work as a heel has been stellar. He's been such a great heel. Uh, And Austin Aries, I've been a fan of him for over a decade. I've watched him uh, compete all over the world in other promotions like Ring of Honor, like Impact Wrestling. So to see him come to, you know, even NXT and now be on the main roster at WrestleMania, the greatest man that ever lived, I was very excited to see Austin Aries. So Aries and Neville starting it off, they did, uh, you know, it was a good match. Neville was kind of uh, refusing to, you know, listen to the fans, and the fans were getting hot, and they were getting behind Aries, lots of Austin Aries chants. You know, Aries was doing his dives, his suicide dives that he always does. 
He was going after Neville. Neville delivered one beautiful snap German suplex off the ropes, and it looked like Aries landed right on the top of his noggin. It was just a brutal German suplex. Uh, he then continued to do that deadlift German suplex. Uh, and, you know, Neville was looking really good, and it seemed like he was getting ready to, to end this. And eventually, uh, you know, Yeah, so, I mean, uh, Aries was doing a really great job. Uh, he he had that neck, uh, eye injury, so that eye injury was really, you know, a factor in the, to the outcome of this match. We saw Neville rake the eyes of, of Austin Aries. Aries was really kind of, you know, uh, you know, really, he couldn't come over that. Uh, you know, after that injury he had, he got that eye rake, Neville taking advantage, being the heel that he is. And then eventually Neville would do that red arrow, his finishing move. And then Neville would retain the Cruiserweight title. Uh, yeah, it was a really good match. It was a, you know, I don't know if I'll say it was a great match, but it was a good match. It was a good way to kick off the pre-show. Uh, you know, I, I wanted Aries to win, but Neville has been a great champion. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does next on 205 Live. You make a case that that match should have been on the regular show. Because they had oh, yeah. two women matches, which weren't great, and they could have switched off with one. Agree or disagree? You know, it's difficult because there is such a woman's movement right now. The WWE is all about showing that equality, all about showing women in power. It's tough. In fact, from what I heard, that one of the SmackDown uh, women's matches was supposed to be on the pre-show. This, the women's match uh, for SmackDown was supposed to be on the pre-show, but it was a last-minute change, and they switched with Dean Ambrose uh, and Baron Corbin. So the Intercontinental title got bumped off the main show to the pre-show Very so the women on SmackDown could, could be a part of the main show. So, again, it's all about that women's revolution that they've been promoting for the last you know, several months, the last year. And they really and just trying to get the kind of title, a kind of title, which takes you back to Randy Savage versus uh, Macho Man. I mean, you're going to put that on a pre-show with all due respect to the women's movement and everything? I mean, that's that's a, that's not fair, in my opinion. And for the record, yeah, I, <laughs> WrestleMania ended about 10 minutes ago. Just wanted to get that. Uh, it's finally ended. About uh, twelve ten Eastern Standard Time, eleven ten Central. But uh, yeah, I thought the uh, uh, you don't you don't mess with the Intercontinental Title. Nothing wrong with having a women's movement, but <clears throat> me personally, I would have did the uh, IC Title uh, on the uh, regular show. Yeah, and that's the thing. After the Cruiserweight title, we had the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, and then, like I said, to my surprise, they bumped uh, the women's match on the main show, and next up we have the Intercontinental title. And then Dean Ambrose defending against Baron Corbin. It was a bit of a surprise to me, but, uh, you know, the match was, you know, all right. Uh, it was a you know an average match. We saw Corbin and Dean were very aggressive in the beginning, uh, Dean was doing those suicide dives that he's, you know, famous for. 
uh, Corbin trying to take advantage of Dean, tossing him into the, the corner post, uh, just kind of really just beating Dean Ambrose down. And, you know, one thing about Dean Ambrose is he can take a beating and he keeps on ticking. And, you know, Dean doing his uh, signature uh, rope sort of clothesline bounce that he does, uh, delivered a nice elbow drop off the top rope to uh, Corbin. Corbin doing his deep six sort of side slam, uh, you know, and at one point, you know, Dean was really focused on his injured ribs. And I thought, okay, if they're really focused on Dean selling this rib injury, maybe we're going to see Baron Corbin become the new Intercontinental Champion. But, uh, you know, he was one of my predictions. I thought, you know, this is Corbin's opportunity. He's another one of those guys like Braun Strowman, who the WWE has been really focused on elevating in the last several months. I thought, well, this could be his WrestleMania moment. You know, he won the Andre the Giant Battle Royal last year. This year he could win his first uh, championship. But uh, that didn't happen. Uh, And that kind of makes sense to me because, again, I thought this match was going to be on the main show. I think if Corbin wrestles on the main show, he wins the title. Corbin wrestling on the pre-show, why are they going to give him this big moment on the pre-show? So instead we saw Dean Ambrose hitting Dirty Deeds and retaining the Intercontinental title on the pre-show. And you had all this time on the regular show. It's not like they were lacking time. I mean, The Undertaker, that thing that he did, you know, well, let me let me rephrase that. They went, they, 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 the ending was a lot of celebrating. I'll just put it like that for a good 20 minutes or so. Then they had time. And Goldberg, God, well, we'll get to them. I won't give you the winner yet, but I'll say at least they went past five minutes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. At so, least they uh, went past. Yeah. Yeah, they went past. And it was a. Uh, you know what? I'll give it. I'll, well, when we get to it, I'll, I'll definitely give it. So that was that it for the uh, pregame. Yeah, that's it for the pre-show. We saw Neville retain his title. We saw Mojo Rowley win the Andre the Giant Battle Royal and Dean Ambrose retaining his Intercontinental title. And that kicked off now the official WrestleMania main card. Yes. And that had what a way to kick things off. Kind of like I was back in, uh, well, ECW uh, 2K17, if you will. Mm Mm-hmm. With yeah. uh, AJ and yeah, uh, the one and only Shane O'Mac mm-hmm. starting things. Yeah, this this was a great way to kick off. I mean, they kicked it off in the biggest way possible. AJ Styles, arguably one of the best uh, in the current generation today. Uh, Shane McMahon, crazy son of a gun, will do just about anything. And uh, this was a really, really great match. I couldn't really ask for anything better. The fans were so into AJ Styles. There were loud AJ Styles chants in that giant Citrus Dome or Citrus Bowl. And, uh, you know, this was just during the entrance. I mean, he was just walking down that long, long 80-foot ramp, and the fans were just going nuts. They loved AJ. They were feeling it for him. And then, of course, to my surprise, you know, they really made an effort to say that, you know, this is AJ's world. You know, this isn't Hell in a Cell. This isn't no DQ. This isn't, you know, uh, one of those, you know, false cow, no hold barred or tables match. It's just a standard wrestling match, right? So it's basically in AJ's wheelhouse 
of working inside that squared circle, and AJ is going to, you know, dominate Shane because Shane's limited. He doesn't have the toys to play with. But uh, to my surprise, Shane did very well. Shane was in there wrestling uh, with AJ. They had some nice exchanges. And, uh, you know, Shane looked really good. Uh, Shane looked really good in there with AJ. They had a nice sort of feeling out process in the beginning. But he was wrestling AJ. He was taking him down. He was riding him, you know, working his back. And then you saw AJ eventually got frustrated, and AJ just punched Shane straight in the face, and that was the end of the wrestling. And then you saw AJ kind of imitate Shane with his sort of Shane shuffle that he does. And then uh, AJ did this beautiful sort of turbo baseball drop kick that just launched Shane into the, uh, the announce tables. Uh, at one point, Shane paying tribute to one of his former rivals, Kurt Angle, Shane McMahon doing the Angle Slam or the Olympic Slam. Uh, through AJ Styles. So that was a nice little tribute to Kurt because, you know, Shane had a huge history with Angle back in the day at King of the Ring. And, Absolutely. Uh, one thing missing was Marlon Ronaldo, who, who is not uh, a part of the SmackDown announce team at the moment. He has some personal issues he's dealing with. But I was happy to see AJ do a, a Ushiguroshi, uh, one of my favorite moves that Marlon calls on SmackDown. And it was funny hearing, uh, I forgot who was calling it on SmackDown. Was it Todd Phillips? Todd Phillips, the JBL, and uh, David Otunga. And he did his Oshi Garushi. He did the calf crusher. And uh, at one point, Shane reversed the calf crusher into a rear naked choke. Uh, AJ then countered that. He tried to do a, a 450 springboard, but uh, he eventually got caught into a triangle choke by Shane. I mean, the back and forth in this match was really good. He did a one-arm styles clash. Uh, you know, Shane was looking good. Shane did a Pele. And at one point, he did a, a spinning heel kick, and he hit the referee. And now the referee's out. So the referee's out. AJ's looking to take advantage. He's the heel. He figures he's going to bring out some toys. So he brings out some trash cans. And it looked like for a split second that AJ Styles was going to go coast-to-coast coast on Shane McMahon. He put Shane in the corner of the ring, put the trash can in front of him, went to the total polar opposite side of the ring, climbed up the top rope, looked like he was going to do the Van Terminator, and as he did that sort of leaping springboard off the ropes, Shane countered it, stood up, threw the trash can in AJ's face, knocking AJ out. The referee's still on Dream Street. Uh, Shane put AJ in the corner where he was, got another trash can, put it on AJ Styles, and then Shane went to that opposite turn post, climbed the top rope, and then we would see Shane McMahon do what he's done so many times, go coast to coast, the old Van Terminator, and lay out AJ Styles. That's not, well, this could be it. I mean, we might see, you know, Shane McMahon humble AJ Styles at WrestleMania. You know, it would be AJ's second loss, which I would hate to see AJ lose again. But at the same time, maybe I could see him, you know, this could be a big moment for AJ to realize his wrong ways and being a heel. And maybe he could have a babyface turn if he loses tonight. But nope, AJ fought back. He kicked out of the coast-to-coast. The fans were going ballistic. There were tons of this was awesome chants. I mean, it was just an awesome match. And eventually we'd see AJ come back from it, and uh, Shane would try to hit a tornado DDT, but uh, AJ continuing to fight from it. Uh, he was laid out, 
Shane McMahon had one more trick up his sleeve, and that was a shooting star press. But uh, as Mauro Ronaldo likes to say, <laughs> the pool was empty, and AJ rolled out of the way, and uh, Shane McMahon hit the shooting star and missed completely. The pool was dry, and he just he crashed and burned. AJ taking advantage of that burn would hit the phenomenal forearm, laying out Shane McMahon and getting the one, two, three. I mean, these guys really delivered in a big way to kick off WrestleMania. Uh, there's not much more you could do. AJ gets his first WrestleMania win, so I'm very happy for AJ Styles. Uh, really great match. Totally kick-ass match. Uh, Shades of ECW. He totally killed the uh, the Van Terminator. It was uh, yeah. just an amazing spectacle. And let's say Shane McMahon's not in his 20s anymore. You know, he used to do that, you know, you're talking about almost 10, 15 years ago. Shane's not that young kid yeah. anymore, but yet he can still do that coast-to-coast Van Terminator. So props to Shane McMahon. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, Shane... Uh, Shane's been at this for uh, over two decades, at least, close to it, at least. They even showed highlights, and uh, pretty amazing uh, what he can do. But if you saw last year's WrestleMania, uh, you, you know, I, being Vince McMahon's dad, I'm sure it didn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So what was the uh, second match? Was that Owens or was that third? Yeah, that was next. Uh, the second match on the card for the United States title, Chris Jericho defending against Kevin Owens. The second two match. Of... Yeah, really, really the, good second match. First step along that. That wouldn't have good. That wouldn't have been good for the first match, but it was a good seconding match, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it was it was hard to follow AJ Styles, Shane McMahon, but at the same time, I think the fans are really invested in Kevin Owens. They love Chris Jericho. They're, you know, Chris Jericho doesn't have to do too, too much. He's one of those guys that can go out there and he's got the fans eating out of their hands. And not only that, but we saw vintage Chris Jericho because as he made his entrance, normally his music hits, he walks down the, you know, the, the ramp, he's got his light-up jacket or a scarf or his list. But tonight, for the first time in years, Chris Jericho has the classic Y2J countdown. And everyone in the Citrus Bowl were doing the countdown. Ten, nine, eight, and then boom, the fireworks went off. And the old Chris Jericho that you know we used to see back when the Y2J days, you saw the classic Chris Jericho entrance. That was very cool. So the fans were already pumped seeing Jericho do his old entrance. Uh, he did have a giant inflatable list at the stage of uh, the, the Citrus Ball. So you saw Jericho passing by a giant list. And, uh, you know, the fans, they just love it. They were eating that up. The Jericho and Owens, finally, this is KO Mania 2. As, you know, Kevin Owens has his new merch. And, again, this was good because Jericho, again, how do you follow Shane and AJ who just tore the house down? They went straight into their stuff early. We saw Jericho immediately go into the walls of Jericho. We saw Kevin Owens counter that. Uh, we saw eventually 
him go to the floor. They were brawling. I mean, so this got, you know, real physical, real ugly. There wasn't no feeling out. There wasn't no lockups. These guys were coming out, you know, swinging. Uh, you know, Kevin Owens doing a super kick, doing his uh, cannonball. We even saw, I think for the first time, he did a cannonball to Jericho, who was on the apron. So you normally we see Jericho inside the ring on a corner, and then, you know, Kevin Owens doing that running cannonball. But instead we saw Kevin Owens take Jericho to the edge of the apron, the outside of the ring, and do that cannonball to the turnpost. So Jericho got squished against the turnpost. So that was something rare that we don't see very often. Uh, Kevin Owens, again, at one point he had this huge gash on his eye, uh, just above his eye. So I don't know how Kevin Owens got stood open, but he had this big gash uh, above his eye. And, again, Jericho uh, just doing a big comeback, you know, doing stuff off the top rope. He did a, a, a Frankensteiner to KO. Uh, you know, Jericho was doing all of his old tricks, the lion salt. Uh, but Kevin Owens, again, he's been teaming with Jericho for the last, you know, almost eight or nine months. These guys are doing lots of counters. Every time Jericho would go for that lion salt, he countered it. Kevin Owens would do, hit a super kick. Uh, Kevin Owens tried to do a frog splash. Jericho countered it. I mean, these guys were counting each other back and forth, back and forth, until finally I think Jericho hit the lion salt. But eventually, as he went uh, to do, uh, I think Kevin Owens went to do a pop-up powerbomb to Jericho. Jericho countered the pop-up powerbomb with a code breaker, and uh, laying out to Kevin Owens, and I thought maybe that could be it. But instead, KO just barely, barely kicked out of the code breaker by putting literally his fingertip on the bottom rope, and that saved them. Normally you see someone put their entire leg, or maybe they grab the bottom rope. Kevin Owens literally put a fingertip on the bottom rope, and that was enough to break the uh, the three count. So Kevin Owens still in the match, and eventually we saw KO deliver another super kick to uh, Chris Jericho, which eventually led to I think a power bomb on the apron. Uh, and once he did the power bomb on the apron, you know Kevin Owens has been doing that to a lot of guys over the last year, like Sami Zayn, John Cena, and others. And every time he does that, that's usually a big way to finish. A match. They've really sold that sort of power bomb on the apron as being a real devastating finisher. So once he did that, it basically spelled the end for Chris Jericho. KO getting the win, beating his former best friend, and becoming the new United States champion. For the first time, right? Yeah, exactly. It's the first time. Kevin Owens, uh, obviously a former NXT champion a former Intercontinental Champion, a former Universal Champion, and now for the very first time, he is holding the United States title. So next, was that the ladies yet? Yeah, the uh, next match was the fatal four-way for the Raw Women's title. Absolutely, and uh, why don't you tell uh, this match, in your opinion? Yeah, I like the way it started. I think it started very hot. You had the fatal four-way, obviously Nia Jax, the, the big woman in the match, and then you have Bailey and Sasha Banks-Charlotte, the three horsewomen, if you will. 
and they basically all teamed up against Nia Jax early on. It was basically a handicap match. It was three on one, and Nia Jax, to her credit, they made her look like Brock Lesnar. She was taking on the three women at once, clotheslining all three of them. She did the Yokozuna bonsai drop on Bailey. Nia Jax looked very impressive in her first big WrestleMania. And I thought, well, Nia Jax, she was, I think, my pick to the win. I mean, she was just dominating them. They eventually had to team up to try to take her out. Like I said, it was three-on-one. They were delivering double suplexes. They were trying to wear her down, but Nia Jax kept overpowering the three women until eventually they got her in the corner, and they kind of did like a, a little bit of a shield thing where they did a triple uh, power bomb to Nia Jax. And we saw Charlotte, Bailey, and Sasha deliver that triple power bomb to, to Nia Jax, laying her out. Nia Jax, basically, in this, even though it was a fatal four-way, they called it a fatal four-way elimination match. So Nia Jax got eliminated after the powerbomb, not to mention all three women pinned her at once. So, I mean, she wasn't kicking out of that. So Nia Jax, your first elimination. Now we're down to a triple threat match or a three-way dance between Bailey, Sasha, and Charlotte. And, you know, this is this was good because obviously these women are very familiar with each other. You know, Charlotte wanted to high five them, but they weren't having it. So then it basically became a two on one match where you saw Sasha and Bailey trying to go against Charlotte, but then Charlotte sort of outsmarted them. She left the ring. She sort of forced them to fight each other, and we would see Sasha do a, a plunge, uh, taking Bailey out outside the ring. Charlotte then delivered a beautiful top rope uh, corkscrew moonsault. Charlotte just laying it all out, uh, doing that top rope moonsault to the floor. Uh, Charlotte looking very impressive. She came into the ring, did natural selection to, to Sasha Banks. And to my surprise, Sasha Banks got eliminated. You know, Sasha was, I don't know if she was my to win, or no, no, I think Nia Jax was my pick. If not Nia Jax and Sasha, maybe. But Sasha got eliminated, and the people in Orlando were not happy. They were booing. Uh, so then it came down to a one-on-one match between uh, Bailey and Charlotte. And this is when things kind of died down for me. It kind of it got a little bit slower. You know, when they had the Fatal 4-Way, things were hot. They were hot. They were furious. They were very impressive. Nia Jax was great. Then it went to a three-way dance, and it was still pretty good. But then once it became like a one-on-one match, uh, I think the fans were just getting kind of tired already. And basically saw the underdog Bailey, which is weird because she's the champion. It's very rare when the champion's the underdog. But uh, Bailey came in, and uh, she was trying to just hang in there with, with Charlotte. Charlotte putting Bailey in the figure four, turning into the figure eight. Uh, you know, she attempted another moonsault, but she missed. Uh, you know, and Bailey came back did a bit of a, a back body drop off the rope. Uh, they were kind of tangled in the ropes. Bailey kind of caught Charlotte over the, the rope with a back body drop. And I thought, okay, I'm waiting for her to do the her Bailey to belly hug plex. And to my surprise, Bailey ended the match paying tribute to one of her favorite wrestlers, the Macho Man Randy Savage. Bailey doing an elbow drop to Charlotte. 
getting the win and uh, getting another win over Charlotte. This is her second win over Charlotte. Charlotte now losing twice in a row to Bailey. Bailey retaining the Raw Women's Championship uh, against all odds against Nia Jax, Sasha, Charlotte. Bailey retaining. She sort of had her, much like Shawn Michaels had his boyhood dream moment. Kind of Bailey had her girlhood dream moment. She walked into WrestleMania as champion, and she left WrestleMania as champion, paying tribute to one of her favorite wrestlers, the Macho Man Randy Savage. So I thought the match got a little bit slower, but uh, when you have that kind of moment where you're paying tribute to the past, like Randy Savage, one of the all-time greats, it was kind of a cool WrestleMania moment, especially for Bailey in her young career. I thought the women started out hot. Yeah, I mean, they started out really hot. It kind of slowed down a little bit, but a nice way to end the match, paying tribute to one of the, the, the all-time greats. So it was, it was a good match. Definitely was. Um, so the next match, I believe, was uh, it, was that the tag team title, Triple Threat? Oh, yeah, brother. That was the oh, yeah, Triple indeed. Threat. It was a, it was supposed to be a triple threat. Into a quadruple threat. <laughs> we had a little it, surprise. A little <laughs> a little surprise as it was Enzo and Cass who came out, did their stick as uh, you know, ever they're famous for doing Enzo running his mouth, getting the people in Orlando hyped. Uh then uh, Cesaro and Sheamus came and then of course the Raw Tag Team Champions, the club, Anderson and Gallows came. We thought, Okay, you got the three competitor, the three teams in the the ring. Let's start it. And instead, the WrestleMania hosts, the New Day, came out, and they came out in their ring gear, and they said that because they're the hosts of WrestleMania, they decided this three-team triple threat match for the, the Raw Tag Titles in a ladder match would now be a, you know, fatal four-way team match, and that a new team would be added. And I think a lot of people... By the way, uh, that host, the the three-way, the new day, as a host, I mean, it was okay, but it would have been cool if, like, Hulk Hogan, you know, who was mentioned a lot on the Hall of Fame, uh, or even, uh, I don't know, somebody... uh, Somebody from the whole, somebody interesting uh, that you don't see too much. Um, that would have been a good choice to, uh, you know, run the show, if you will, for WrestleMania. You know, even even if they got The Rock for one, but just you know, being the host because in the past you had Hogan, you had The Rock as the host, I believe. Uh, even Vince McMahon would have been good because he's been gone for a way. I'm not trying to demote the New Day in any way. I'm just saying could have been a lot greater choices that might have had more uh, buys of the uh, network, especially if you had Vince as the host, who they definitely could have did. Uh, just food to do it. Yeah, and as the New Day came out and we thought they were going to introduce themselves into the match, that didn't happen, and instead we heard a theme song that we haven't heard in about several years, and the fans kind of had a, a suspicion because we started hearing a lot of... 2008, I think, the last time Hardy was in 
Jeff Hardy was in the middle of a feud with Punk, I think, and that was his last match on SmackDown. I I somehow remember that. That is correct. Uh, So, so, nine years. Exactly. Uh, I remember that. uh, Punk and uh, Jeff Hardy had a great feud for the world title, and uh, that was sort of Jeff's swan song back then. But here's the interesting fact. 24 hours ago, the Hardy Boys were the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. Just last night, they were in a ladder match at the Ring of Honor Supercard against the Young Bucks of the Bullet Club. So here you got the Hardys, the Bullet Club, and Ring of Honor for the Ring of Honor Tag Titles, not to mention the fact that the Hardy Boys are basically the undefeated TNA Tag Team Champions because they left the company as champions and were stripped of the titles and weren't even given the opportunity to drop the titles. So there's that going for them. Technically, they're, uh, they're still Tag Team Champions? Technically, technically they, they never lost the TNA titles. Oh, wow. But uh, last night wow. at Ring of Honor... We saw there was a tremendous ladder match in which, of course, the Young Bucks regained the Ring of Honor tag titles. And there's a lot of speculation whether or not the Hardys would show up at WrestleMania. They've been promoting online that they were doing a tailgate party and that they would have a tailgate party in Orlando and uh, it would be all the way up to about 6 Eastern or something. So they were trying to draw speculation off. Because obviously if they're doing a tailgate party, meeting with fans, doing autographs, how could they possibly be a part of WrestleMania if they're somewhere away doing autographs? And you're talking like 6 p.m. when WrestleMania started at, you know, what, 3 or 4 or whatever. I mean, they're really trying to draw a lot of speculation off and saying that they had nothing to do with WrestleMania. There was, you know, no shenanigans. But, again, when New Day came out said there's a new team, we heard the infamous Hardy Boys Team Extreme theme song play. We saw Brother Nero and Broken Matt Hardy with the, the white sort of streak of hair down his his, uh, his hair his head and the place Huge went ballistic. Huge pop. I mean, that's you know what, 75,000 pop. Uh, it was uh, outstanding. It was a nice surprise. I didn't think they would show up WrestleMania. I thought maybe the Raw after WrestleMania, maybe the first pay-per-view. I really didn't think that they would be a part of WrestleMania. Again, 24 hours ago, they were the Ring of Honor Tag Champions. I, I what a, It was a bit of a surprise, even though I kind of saw it coming. Still a huge surprise. Big WrestleMania moment. The fans were going nuts. It's exactly what you want from WrestleMania. It's one of those special moments. And at that point, it didn't even matter what happened in the match because the people were so freaked out. They were going nuts. They couldn't believe the Hardys were in the WWE again. Uh, and Michael Cole, I think, even said that they just broke the WWE universe, again, paying tribute to that whole broken character that Matt Hardy created, I should say. And uh, the Hardys looked great. They gave them the opportunity to come out and sort of clean house. So you saw a classic, or as Michael Cole liked to say, vintage Hardy Boys. And they're doing their signature moves, their whisper in the wind, you know, their classic sort of uh, double team moves. As, and as they were working, you know, Seamus, Cesaro, Enzo, and Cass, and uh, 
the club, a different club, the former members of the Bullet Club, instead of the Young Bucks, now Anderson and Gallows. So that's kind of interesting how last night, 24 hours ago, the Hardys were facing the Bullet Club members, the Young Bucks, and then tonight at WrestleMania, they're facing the former Bullet Club members, the original members, Gallows and Anderson. So the Hardys just all over that damn club tonight. But uh, it was a, a good match. But like I said, fans were just so psyched. It didn't really even matter. I wouldn't say it was a great ladder match, but they'd use the ladders effectively. They had some nice spots where they would, you know, use some double-team moves. They were tossing the ladders around. They were, you know, bending the ladders, using them. They sandwiched the Hardys at one point with the ladders. They set up the two ladders in between the ring apron and the, the barricade. We saw another 20-foot ladder being set ringside for something, a big spot that they were planning. We saw, you know, Matt Hardy deliver the classic twist of fate. We saw Sheamus and Cesaro do, I think Sheamus did his, uh, his that one clubbing blow that he does to, to his opponent on the, the ring apron in between the ropes. And I think he did 30 vicious sort of, you know, clubs to uh, one of the, the club members as Cesaro was doing the swing for about 30 seconds. So uh, sort of paying tribute to WrestleMania 33, and they did about 30 clubs and 30 sw- swings uh, of the swing by Cesaro. Uh, Cesaro also doing the Swiss 1-9. Uh, you know, Jeff Hardy doing some, some crazy, you know, high-risk moves as well. We saw them just, just go all out. And uh, at one point, the cast, big cast, you know, getting the ladder. It seemed like Enzo... He climbed up, they cast his shoulders, he was grabbing the tag titles. Carl Anderson took Enzo and basically dumped him off the ladder onto Cesaro. Cesaro delivering an uppercut. Uh, just some really great moments in this match. But eventually we would see Matt Hardy climb the ladders, deliver a twist of fate off the ladder. And as he delivered a twist of fate off the ladder, we would see Jeff Hardy climbed that 20-foot-tall ladder. It looked about 20 feet or 15 feet tall. It was a really big-ass ladder. And he delivered a swanton to, I think, Cesaro and Sheamus, who were laid out on the two ladders that were laid across the ring apron and the barricade. Jeff Hardy just doing his crazy daredevil moves, that swanton, crashing through the ladder, crashing through Cesaro and Sheamus, and eventually we would see Matt Hardy get back into the ring, go for that quest for gold that he's been on, if you've been following his YouTube, and he climbed up rung for rung and grabbed the WWE Raw World Tag Team titles, becoming seven-time WWE Tag Team Champions. The Hardys, your new WWE Tag Team Champions, what a... Huge surprise. I never could have predicted them walking out of WrestleMania 33 as the tag team champions. It was it was fantastic. I don't know if I would say the match was great, but the shock value was unbelievable. Yeah, like you said, it was one thing to have them as the surprise, but yeah. for them to come and win the title, that was even more of a surprise. And we'll see. Obviously, they're around Raw because of... Uh, uh, I guess they're on Raw. That was a Raw Tag Team title match, right? Yeah, that is correct. It was for the Raw Tag Team title. So, I mean, we have to assume, because they weren't a part of the draft or anything, 
that they will be on the Raw after WrestleMania, which I'm sure is going to be even bigger. Here's some sound from the match, and then we'll come back. Matters and chairs matches have now been added to the mix. <laughs> the match is underway, and here we go. Matt and Jeff are back for the tag team titles. This is absolutely incredible. It's surreal. Seamus and Cass right here in front of our table. They're ready for some carnage and chaos. Meanwhile, Anderson and Gallows and the Hardys inside the ring. Here we go. We're going to start things off, guys. Jeff Hardy with a little poetry in motion. Get ready, Carl Anderson. Poetry in motion. Uh-oh, Enzo. And now the Hardys turning their attention to Enzo. Double teamed by Matt Jeff. That might have been my favorite thing the Hardys have ever done. Cash misses with a double clothesline. Matt and Jeff working together as a team again with a double suplex to Big Cash. Here comes Cesaro. Over 70,000 on their feet at WrestleMania. Wow. So there you can hear the crowd chanting this is awesome, and the fans are really into it. Oh, oh my. That, that's that's exactly what you want from WrestleMania. You want the fans at the edge of their seats. You want those moments where anything can happen in the WWE. And tonight really lived up to one of those moments because, like I said, I there was a lot of buzz about the Hardys coming back. But the question is when. And it seemed like it would be too soon for them to come for WrestleMania. Again, like I said, 24 hours ago, they just came from being the, the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions on the Ring of Honor, uh, taking on the Young Bucks. I mean, how could they do this? I don't know how they managed to work it out, but they did. They shocked the world, and they had probably one of the, the biggest uh, moments, most talked-about moments of WrestleMania. Yes, uh, definitely the biggest comeback of this year's WrestleMania, even though there were some other comebacks, uh, but... This was the biggest. So, uh, what was uh, was the next match the non-sanctioned match? Uh, the next match was the mixed tag match between The Miz oh, and Cena. his wife, uh, Maurice, versus John Cena and his, at the time, girlfriend, Nikki Bella. Right. Important to say at the time. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, this match was a good match uh, in terms of what I thought it would be. You know, as I said, uh, Monday, uh, I, it was weird to see Cena in this spot. You know, usually he would have been in the Randy Orton spot, challenging for the title, challenging The Undertaker, you know, something big. But, you know, the fact that Miz was wrestling him a lot one-on-one, that was pretty interesting. And, of oh, yeah. course, uh, Cena did get the victory, getting revenge on when The Miz beat him uh, a couple of WrestleManias back yeah. uh, due to The Rock's interference, which led to The Rock versus Cena two time, yeah. two, the next two WrestleManias. But that was not the story. We, <laughs> we had to go back to uh, 
SummerSlam 91 when there was a wedding at uh, SummerSlam, and the show was called The Match Made in Heaven, uh, mm-hmm. with Macho Man getting married to Elizabeth, and A Match yeah. Made in Hell with Hogan and Warrior versus Adnan, uh, who's Sergeant Slaughter and company there. But a uh, similar thing happened uh, about 20 years later here as uh, an emotional John Cena, uh, uh, I should say more uh, emotional, uh, is it Bria Bell, I forget. Uh, Nikki. Not Nikki. Uh, she looked to be very emotional uh, when John Cena, you know, and you could kind of tell that's the direction it was going to go. I, 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 Even before, just when he started to say about a question, I mean, what else could he possibly ask a woman at that particular time? I mean, there was nowhere else to go. I mean, you know, <laughs> what was he going to say? You want, you, you want to go to P&A for, for coffee after? <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> so in my opinion, I knew that was going to happen. Uh, I was just going to see if the... There was going to be a different type of angle where she said no, which would have been interesting, or somebody came out, but that wasn't to be. Uh, uh, everybody went happy, or home happy yeah. at least. She uh, she was into it, uh, and she said yes. You know, when uh, Macho Man and Elizabeth uh, had the uh, thing on at the time, Superstars, which I was telling my friend who was watching the program, and she hesitated, and Piper kept saying, come on, come on, Liz. I, I don't know if you remember that, but it was so long ago, but uh, uh, she didn't hesitate at all. And uh, it would have been nice if she, maybe she just hesitated for a little bit just to get Oh, no, no. No, because <laughs> you if know? you've been following their story, you know, this is something that's been working for years. As soon as WWE launched Total Divas back in 2013, we've seen the relationship of John Cena and uh, Nicole uh, Garcia or you know, Nikki Bella playing out on the reality show on, on E! You know, this is something that they've been drawing out for a very long time. She's always been wanting to marry Cena. Cena's been very adamant. He just he was went through a divorce. He never wanted to get married again after his uh, divorce and the way that ended for him. So he was always very adamant that he did not want to get married. So you're talking how many years later now where she was she couldn't wait to say yes as you saw tonight she wasn't going to hesitate cuz this is what she's been wanting for for several years although it would be it would play out good for drama and for television but this is something that she's been really wanting for a very long time and it was a, it was one of those feel good moments even if you hate John Cena it was a feel good moment uh, if you're a fan of Total Bellas I'm sure this will air at on their next season but uh, it was a nice moment, and, uh, you know, he brought that up some cool real stuff. That was cool, though. They showed the old season where, I guess, they were at John Cena's house or something, The Miz included, <laughs> and uh, he's uh, <laughs> he is kind of mocking him, you know, don't, you know, like, his John Cena's rules, this uh-huh. and that. And being a person, I, I haven't seen much of it. Is it, is it on the uh, network? 
it, hopefully that'll be a part of the network maybe next month as they need to get more episodes of SmackDown up to date. They're usually about a month behind. But, yeah, that was a big part of uh, SmackDown leading up to WrestleMania the last two weeks or so. They had The Miz imitating John Cena, and they had his wife, Maurice, imitating Nikki Bella. And they filmed some hilarious uh, promos, segments, skits, call them what you will, where The Miz imitating John Cena and all the rules he has for his house. See, if you're a wrestling fan... You might not get some of it. I mean, it's still funny whether you, you're watching it for the first time or not. But if you're a fan of, like, say, the reality show Total Divas or Total Bellas, the spinoff, uh, you've seen that. And you've seen John Cena can be a bit of a, you know, whatever with his rules and living in his house. And Daniel Bryan and Bree were guests in his house and you know they had to follow his rules so you had the Miz making fun of that and really again amping it up and just making it so ridiculous but so entertaining some of Miz's best work I think even at one point he imitated Daniel Bryan so you had Miz and Maurice playing double roles where Miz was playing Cena he was playing Daniel Bryan he had a long goofy beard and basically Maurice had the easiest job because she was playing twins so she basically was just you know, Nikki and Bree at the same time. But it was very entertaining. If you get a chance, it it'll, hopefully will be a part of the network very soon on old episodes of SmackDown. But I'm sure maybe there's YouTube videos where you can watch the full segment. Very entertaining. And during the show, they also plugged uh, Hulu, which has SmackDown and Raw. Uh, I also have Hulu, by the way. But it's uh, I guess they have a little partnership with them, right? Yeah, I mean, they had a partnership with them early on where they were exclusive with, uh, you know, NXT. But ever since they started the network, you know, they've been really focused on, you know, their own content. But they still have a, a working relationship with them. Yeah, because uh, I guess uh, Netflix probably doesn't get to have it, uh, yeah. the content of WWE. But yeah, they should get some content of a TNA or something like that, which uh, which would be good. Well, Netflix does have, have. Uh, Netflix has Lucha Underground. So if you've ever wanted to check out Lucha Underground, if you've been unfamiliar with them, and they can be pretty wacky, but trust me, uh, Lucha Underground oh, is yeah. available on, on Netflix, yeah. Oh, okay. That's a little old school, I believe, right? Like uh, been around for a while. Yeah, I think they're they're running their third or fourth season now. Absolutely. So next was the non-sanctioned match, I believe, right? Yes, that would be the. Yeah, that's that's the next match after John Cena and Nikki Bella defeated uh, the Miz and Maurice, and of course John Cena proposed to Nikki. She said yes. They had their happily ever after moment. Then the unsanctioned match, finally. Seth Rollins gets his big WrestleMania match ever since he missed last year's WrestleMania due to his knee injury. Rollins made it just in time this year after suffering another knee injury, thankfully not as serious, and he was cleared to compete this year against Triple H, who, again, this was months in the making you know, ever since Seth Rollins broke away from Shield, became a part of the authority, you know, he was Triple H's guy. And you can even go as far back as to when 
uh, Triple H really took a hold of NXT, and NXT was really his baby. You know, Seth Rollins was his first world champion in NXT. So, you know, Triple H has been grooming Seth Rollins for a very long time. He's kind of been his pet project, his first world champion in NXT, uh, becoming his champion on the main roster until now, finally, they made their split. They're having their big WrestleMania moment, their match. And, uh, you know, at this point, you know, we've already seen a lot of stuff. I mean, uh, the Hardy Boys return, you know, the John Cena proposal, and then this, you know, this unsanctioned match. You know, we've already gone about maybe, what, four hours into uh, WrestleMania. And, uh, you know, I think it started to weigh in a bit on the fans. I think the fans are getting, you know, a little exhausted. Uh, and there was nothing There's wrong with this. kids that have school the next night, too. <laughs> yeah, I don't unless know what they Unless they're watching it from the West Coast, where yeah. it's uh, three hours earlier. There's a lot of kids that have it. Uh, school the next, uh, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So they should have factored that in too. Yeah, I mean it's tough, especially if you're on the East Coast and even here in the Central. I mean it's tough. You're talking like you said, it's over over midnight, you know, eleven o'clock. That they were still going, you know, they were really going into extra hours. But the the match you know, in was California, mm-hmm. it would only be nine p.m. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, great match back to that, uh, back to that one. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Seth Rollins uh, Seth. finally, uh, Seth made his entrance, and he, he came out with a torch. Again, you know, taking the torch away from Triple H, a little bit of a, of a sign. And a Triple H kind of coming down with his crazy ride. It was kind of reminiscent of The Undertaker. We used to see Taker as the American badass and sort of ride down the ring. Only Triple H had like a president's escort, so a barrage of sort of police troopers accompanying him as they drove down that, you know, 80-foot ramp and around the ring. So they had a big entrance, kicked off the match. You know, Seth was on fire. He just started attacking Triple H very early, rapid punches, doing his, you know, suicide dive, not once but twice, just putting the pressure on Triple H, pretty much dominating Triple H early on until, of course, Triple H started working the the previously injured knee of Seth Rollins. That kind of slowed things down because it was an unsanctioned match. Triple H uh, didn't waste too much time getting the steel chairs, getting the folding chairs, laying into Seth Rollins, bashing the knee of Seth Rollins. We saw, you know, Rollins eventually get the chair and use it himself on Triple H. Uh, we saw him do that the turnbuckle bomb that uh, once ended the career of Sting to Triple H. We saw Seth taking some high risks, uh, you know, the running uh, crossbody off the top rope to the floor. Uh, Again, grabbing chairs, doing a frog splash to Triple H. Uh, Triple H then, you know, putting Seth Rollins, tangling it in the chair, doing some vicious stomps to break uh, Rollins' leg. And uh, eventually, you know, Rollins and Triple H, they set up a table ringside. Uh, We saw Rollins deliver some super kicks to Triple H. And uh, it seemed like, 
you know, Rollins was getting back into things. Uh, Stephanie, of course, made her presence felt as she was accompanied Triple H, and she would sort of interfere and sort of pull at the leg of Seth Rollins to distract him, giving Triple H the upper hand. Triple H then again targeting the knee, putting him in knee bars, reverse figure four leg locks. Uh, at one point, you know, Triple H even had his old trusty sledgehammer and sort of teased using it on Rollins. Rollins avoiding it, doing a, a sort of a leaping into Gurry. Uh, Steph constantly getting, you know, involved in the match. And we would see eventually them doing counters to the pedigree as Rollins would try to put Triple H in the pedigree. And then, they would, you know, Triple H would counter it, put Rollins in the pedigree. Rollins would counter it. Triple H would, would do it. And it was just back and forth, the, the counters, until eventually we would see Stephanie get on the ring apron and try to distract uh, Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins kind of threw Triple H into Stephanie, and Triple H kind of watched himself. He avoided hitting Stephanie at first, and then instead we would see Seth Rollins kind of run into Triple H that bumped Stephanie, Stephanie crashing off the apron into that table that was set up on the floor. Stephanie got laid out put through a table, and the fans were going nuts. They were so happy to see the billion-dollar princess go through a table. So props to Stephanie for taking one for the team. She was put through the table. That angered Triple H, and he just set his sights on Seth Rollins, but eventually got a super kick, and then Rollins would deliver a pedigree and finished off the game, Seth Rollins victorious, getting redemption, uh, becoming, I guess, his own man, and he's no longer Triple H's lackey. So Seth Rollins getting a big win, his big comeback at WrestleMania. He had his moment. I was surprised we didn't see any interference from Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe's kind of been, uh, you know, Triple H's lackey as of late, his muscle, his destroyer. And we didn't see Samoa Joe, so I'm surprised uh, he didn't make his WrestleMania appearance. But maybe he'll make an appearance tomorrow on Raw to do the game's dirty work to Rollins. But, uh, you know, this was a good match. I mean, it was a little exhausting. Like I said, you're talking about four, four and a half hours into WrestleMania. And, uh, like I said, the fans were kind of beat. But I think these guys did enough to put on a solid match. Stephanie going through the table was a nice little uh, a bonus. So it was a, a solid match. Absolutely. And that would bring us to uh, one of the world title matches, right? Or was it another woman's match? Yeah, that would be the SmackDown, or, uh, the SmackDown WWE world title match between Bray Wyatt right. and the, uh, the Royal Rumble winner, Randy Orton. I was surprised that was before uh, the women's match. I mean, not that surprised, but a little surprised. I thought Goldberg was going to be last, for sure. Yeah, but, uh, there was a lot of that speculation. After. Yeah, there was a lot of speculation whether or not the Universal title match would go last since they are the two biggest names. You got Brock, you got Goldberg. Uh, but that, uh, I guess there was a last-minute change based on the outcome of the Taker match. But I wasn't too surprised to see the SmackDown world title 
go on before the SmackDown women's title, just because if you watch the world title match, again, we're approaching, you know, the fifth hour of WrestleMania. I think it was already about nine central. I mean, we were getting very close to, you know, you know, the, the, the breaking point. I think fans were just kind of tired and the match itself was very weird. In fact, at one point there was a this is strange chant <laughs> during their match because it was just a, a weird match. There was Too nothing much. necessarily wrong. There was nothing wrong with it, but Randy Orton uh, and Bray, they locked up. Orton kind of teased the RKO, which, you know, we've, we've kind of seen before. But then there was this really weird moment where Bray Wyatt, who likes to play the mind games, I mean, there was one cool thing about Bray Wyatt's entrance, and it was seeing, you know, 70,000 people or 70,000 of the fireflies, you know, lighting up their phone and seeing all those lights during Bray Wyatt's entrance. That was a pretty cool moment. But again, to sort of play into Bray Wyatt's creep factor and the whole Sister Abigail and the mystique of uh, Bray Wyatt, they had this weird moment where Orton was kind of laid out in the ring and Bray went into the corner of the ring and he did that kind of upside-down thing he does in the corner. And as he did that, we saw like a projection screen over the ring of like maggots. Maggots just all over the ring. And the referee jumped out of the ring. <laughs> Randy Orton jumped out of the ring. It was one of those like weird moments where they were like, Bray Wyatt playing mind games and freaking out his opponent. And they didn't just do it once, but they did it a second time where, you know, Bray Wyatt got the advantage, Orton was laid out, and again, they had maggots. They had these really gross maggots in the ring uh, through a production screen, I should say. And again, it was just mind games. So that's, this match wasn't much of a wrestling match as much as it was the WWE playing up to the mystique of Bray Wyatt, something we used to see The Undertaker do back in the day, sort of play mind games with his opponents and the urn and just the mystique of The Undertaker. We're now seeing Bray Wyatt sort of carry that mantle of being that mysterious figure and doing these bizarre supernatural things inside the wrestling ring. And then again, there was a third moment where they had, you know, Bray Wyatt, where he was doing that, where he was upside down, and they had cockroaches. They just had a bunch of cockroaches in the middle of the ring. It was just, again, a really weird, crazy, you know, bizarre moment. The fans were chanting, this is freaky. You know, eventually Randy got back into the match. He delivered an RKO to Bray on the floor. But, again, you can't win outside the ring. you got to get Bray Wyatt in the ring and win by pinfall or submission to win the world title. But uh, Bray Wyatt would prevail. He would avoid another... RKO, and he would eventually put Randy in Sister Abigail, and uh, but uh, that wasn't enough, and Randy would fight out of it, and Randy delivered an RKO out of nowhere, winning his 13th world title. Randy Orton, uh, I think there was nothing more they could do with Bray. They they played out all the mind games and the his tricks. And eventually just came to Randy Orton getting the upper hand, delivering the RKO, continuing his legacy as they promote him as, you know, one of the the most well-rounded superstars in the WWE, the guy who's third generation, 
who's lived up to the hype ever since he came into the WWE almost, you know, 15 years ago. 13-time world champion. You know, he's one of WWE's best. He's had some great moments and matches over the years. He's the superstar that WWE really looked towards uh, crafting. He's got the look. You know, he wrestles their style. You know, he's the prototype of what a WWE superstar should be, you know, according to them. So, Randy Orton, victorious at WrestleMania, winning his 13th world title. 13th? Wow. And how many does, uh, what's the, what's the, uh, leader in, uh, winning titles? That would be a tie between Ric Flair and John Cena at 16. And I'm sure that will change, uh, when John Cena gets his next title. Which, at this time next year, I'm sure he will. But, uh, okay, so that would bring us to the women's match. No, so that's the universal that would bring match. us to, which one? Yeah, the universal title match. So, Bill Goldberg, The universal Brock title Bison. match. Yeah. And just to note, uh, earlier uh, on the uh, pre-show, uh, they had hashtag as Cayman. And I read some of them. One, one asked, uh, what are you going to pay back New Jack? <laughs> so that was real funny. Uh, he only that, read that a few. One, yeah, they only, they only read a few. I'm sure they, they were very cautious not to air some of those. But uh, I'm sure there was probably a lot of really great ones that didn't make the air. Yeah, no question about it. But, uh... What can I say? Compared to their awful matches, the, the previous one, especially their first one, uh, this was a classic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, that's the funny thing, King. I agree with you 100%, and that's the thing. When we watched those matches before, we were shocked, and, yeah, they had the shock value, but we weren't satisfied. We weren't happy. They gave us these small, quick, you know, one-minute to a few-second matches, and at the time, we hated it, but at the time, it led to this match, and then this match is what really sold us. This is a match that we kind of wanted. It wasn't, you know, 20 minutes. It wasn't 15 minutes, but based on those matches we got before, at least this gave us something. We kind of saw a little bit of a back and forth between Goldberg and between Lesnar, and it kind of, you know, it, I don't know if I would say it lived up to the hype, but... It was better than what we got, and it, what we got before was just these quick finishes, these quick kind of squash matches with Goldberg, just spear, jackhammer, and that was it. Here, they kind of did that at first, as uh, basically when the match started, we saw Goldberg you know, get three German suplexes right out of the gate. Brock Lesnar came out on fire, targeted Goldberg, and he was just, he was just lit. You know, Brock came out the beast. He was, you know, roaring like an animal. And literally the camera did a nice close-up on Brock while he was just feeling it, taking Goldberg to Suplex City after the third German suplex. And Goldberg came up and speared Brock Lesnar as he was celebrating. In fact, like Goldberg was off camera because they did like a little bit of a close-up on Brock. So here you have Brock celebrating, and before you even realize what the hell happened, he just got speared by Goldberg 
off camera. It was one of the weirdest things that happened so quick, so fast. I think, oh my God, I bet you now the match is over. You know, he just did three German suplexes. At least he got some moves in, and then he just took a spear from Goldberg. But you know what? The match wasn't over. Goldberg did another spear. And, uh, you know, this time Brock, being very smart, he rolled to the floor. So this kind of went to the floor, and then Goldberg did yet a third spear to Lesnar as he took out the barricade ringside. And at one point, Brock Lesnar's elbows got tore up. Uh, They were bleeding. And, uh, you know, at this point, Brock got Lesnar back into the ring, and it seemed like he was going for the jackhammer. This was it, three spears. Now it's time to finish Brock Lesnar. And instead, we saw Brock counter it with an F5. Goldberg countered the F5 with a four spear. So a four spear and then a jackhammer. And we thought, okay, now it's it. He did the jackhammer. Brock Lesnar kicked out. At this point now, Goldberg is trying to think, what can he do to beat Brock? He did, what, three or four spears. He did the jackhammer. And now he was ready to target Brock yet again. Brock did a leapfrog. Again, Brock, pretty much a heavyweight, super agile, did a leapfrog over Goldberg and delivered a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, a seventh, an eighth, ninth, ten German suplexes to Bill Goldberg just wiping them out and then finally to cap it off delivering a F5. Brock Lesnar finally gets redemption after almost a decade ago losing to Goldberg at WrestleMania 20 losing to Goldberg at Survivor Series 2016, being embarrassed by Goldberg yet again at the Royal Rumble. But uh, Brock Lesnar gets his redemption, takes Goldberg to Suplex City, 10 German suplexes, and F5 later, Brock Lesnar, your new reigning and defending Universal Champion. So this was the moment we've been waiting for. It took a while, it took a few months, it took some squash matches, but the, this was, you know, the big payoff, and I think everybody was really happy with the outcome. And uh, I would ga- I would go uh, at a ten star. I would go eight. So see you. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, the expectations might have been kind of low, I mean, based on the two previous matches that were, you know, seconds long. So here they gave us a little bit something to chew on, and the fans were into it. That's the main thing. The fans were into it. They were into, you know, the spears. There were some big moments. Goldberg, you know, maybe didn't last 20 minutes, but he was able to, you know, have a little bit more of a lengthy match, sort of. And, you know, Brock came out as the beast, as he used to be, like I said, getting redemption. You know, this was a good match for compared to what they had previously. But, uh, yeah, like I said, it's a good match. I, I'm going not back gonna to WrestleMania uh, 20 when they had that awful match. Yeah. Uh, they had, they had uh, a, this an was awful the match of, then. Uh, their four. Notice that yeah, they without didn't bring a doubt. That up. 
Yeah, they didn't bring that up for a reason because nobody wants to remember that WrestleMania 20 match, including them. Neither one of them wanted to be there. The fans didn't want to watch it. New York hated them uh, with every right to. But uh, tonight, you know, this was the match. I think Goldberg, you know, he said before that he came back not just for himself, but he came back, you know, for his family to see him in the spotlight again. He came back for the fans. So this was a different Bill Goldberg. He cared. He wanted to give and back. I would not see uh, Goldberg winning after one being beating him in 86 seconds and the follow-up maybe uh, two minutes in the other match and squashing um, Kevin Owens. I cannot see him getting a big victory at WrestleMania. I'm sure they discussed it, uh, Goldberg and Lesnar. And, uh, you know, look, I'll, Goldberg said, let me squash you a couple of times. You'll get the big payoff at WrestleMania. And they worked that out, I'm sure. Because Lesnar really don't job to anybody. As you saw yeah. a couple, of, they mentioned John Cena took a beating from Brock. So Goldberg is really the only one who, who got under uh, Brock's skin in this era, at least. Yeah, you very few people like, you know, The Undertaker, Triple H, Cena, who've maybe gotten at least some advantage over Brock. But Brock's been very dominating. And even even the people who have gotten some, you know, some, you know, matches over him, he destroyed them. He destroyed The Undertaker at WrestleMania. He destroyed John Cena at SummerSlam. You know, he's destroyed everybody he's ever been put in the ring with. So, I mean... You know, Brock's been the beast. He's lived up to the hype. He's had some some crazy matches with his suplexes, uh, you know, including with Seth Rollins when they had a triple threat match with Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. He's wrestled other people who are no longer with the company, and they had nice matches at SummerSlam. But uh, Brock's been an animal. No one's really taken him or embarrassed him like Goldberg has. But finally, Brock got the revenge. He got the big moment tonight, won the title. So, you know, this was a, it was good for what it was. Everybody came out uh, looking good. No question. So we have two more matches left. Uh, next was the, uh, what was the SmackDown ladies? Yes, now finally the SmackDown uh, women's title is being defended. This was supposed to be on the pre-show, but they bumped it up to the main roster Maybe they needed a little bit of a buffer between the Lesnar-Goldberg match. Naomi was also coming back from an injury. She's in her hometown of Orlando, so that could have played a bit of a factor on making the fans in Orlando happy, that Naomi getting a big moment. You know, this this match, again, I don't know if the fans were as invested. They just came off that big, you know, Brock Lesnar-Goldberg match between the two biggest names in the WWE, period. And tough for the the women to really get the the fans invested. The match was built as this, you know, Alexa versus the women roster, and then they just basically turned it into like a a six-pack match, Alexa versus Becky Lynch, Mickey James, Carmella, Natalia, and Naomi. And basically, you know, the first pinfall becomes the, you know, is the winner, you know, whether you win the title or if Alexa can get a pinfall and retain the title. So she basically had to interrupt any pinfall she saw. So if anybody got a pinfall, Alexa was running into the ring to break it up. 
we would see, you know, Becky Lynch do her exploder, Beck's uh, suplexes. She suplexed pretty much everyone in the ring, including uh, James Ellsworth. Natty at one point tried to do a two-woman sharpshooter, something that she has done in the past, but we have not seen in a very long time. She attempted, I think, uh, the double sharpshooter on Carmella and Naomi, and she kind of flipped it over, and, you know, she tried to get the, I guess, the double tap out to win the title. But, again, Alexa breaking it up. Uh, We would see Mickey do her DDT, uh, but eventually Naomi would get back into it, do her rear view, and to, you know, lay out uh, the women. And eventually we saw Naomi basically do a nice sort of uh, forearm to, I think, Alexa, and she basically got her in this weird submission hold. I, I don't even know the name of it. I I don't think it was the Rings of Saturn. I don't think it was the Omoplata. But she did this submission hold, and she basically got the tap-out victory in her hometown of Orlando, uh, winning the title once again, the title that she never really lost due to her injury. They had to, to strip the title off of her. But she came back made it to WrestleMania, got the title, had her big glow moment. So I guess, you know, they had that sort of feel-good moment for the hometown girl. You mentioned glow, and uh, before we get to our finale, Netflix is producing um, way back, wow, I was a kid, they had the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. They're doing some kind of documentary on it, made for Netflix, though. So... uh, I remember waiting around for superstars and remember seeing that vaguely. So just want to get that out there. So uh, that that should be interesting. So finally, we have. Uh, oh, I just want to mention that Al Roker did a horrible job. I would rather <laughs> have heard Howard Finkel. I mean, at least if you're gonna have certain spots, you could have used Howard Finkel to. Uh, like he usually uh, uh, announces the uh, the guys from the Hall of Fame. He was a totally absent, you know. Uh, he's a, a Hall of Famer himself, and uh, I don't know. I think they disrespect him sometimes. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I love Howard Finkel. You know, I grew up with with his voice being, you know, the announcer for WWE, and it would have been perfect for for them to use him in one of the matches at least. I mean, even at one point, I think during the mixed tag match, they brought Jerry Lawler back. So Jerry Lawler was doing announcing for the mixed tag match, uh, and then of course in the main event, the WWE brought back good old JR, Jim Ross, Jim Ross calling the main event of WrestleMania. So here we got Jerry Lawler coming back. We got Jim Ross coming back. It would have been kind of cool if they had, uh, you know, Howard Finkel come back and, you know, possibly uh, to do something, uh, you know. But, uh, again, this is the WWE, and you just had Rob Gronkowski help Mojo Raleigh win the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. WWE loves their celebrities. So, of course, Al Roker, a big part of the Today Show, uh, John Cena, who's hosted uh, the Today Show and on numerous occasions, I'm sure he played a factor in Al Roker being a part of that. So, again, WWE just, again, always using celebrities whenever they can. But it would be nice if they used some of the legends that they have as well. And also, on another note, this is the 
third time in a row that Roman Reigns made and rented a WrestleMania. Going back to the last three WrestleManias. I did yeah, see yeah. that on Twitter. I don't know if that's accurate, but... Yeah, I mean, he was in the main event against Brock Lesnar, what, two years ago for the WWE World Heavyweight title when Brock was the champion. That was the night that Seth Rollins cashed in money in the bank on Roman Reigns. He pinned Roman Reigns by and won the world title. And then last year, of course, Roman Reigns was in the main event against Triple H in which he won the WWE World Heavyweight title. And now tonight... Roman Reigns in the main event against The Undertaker. Uh, besides Shawn Michaels, the other superstar known for WrestleMania. So, I mean, the Roman Reigns, you can, if you didn't know before, I mean, a lot of people assumed him to be the next John Cena. There's lots of people that say he's the big dog. He's the guy. He's the guy. Three WrestleManias in a row, you know, he's the WWE's guy. No question. Especially uh, after tonight. Well, first they introduced Jr., which I was surprised yeah. about. They thought he was on the outs with the company. Um, but uh, it was good. I thought they should have had the King there for that match. Uh, I know they're on different shows. Well, he's on. I don't even think he does uh, broadcasting. Uh, yeah. I don't know. You know, he doesn't. But it would have been cool to have King. And uh, Jerry uh, and Ross just for this Undertaker match because uh, that would have really felt old school. But as far as the match, I thought it was a, despite what they're saying on Twitter, I thought it was a uh, decent match. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think the problem with the fans is it's not that they're judging the match, they're judging the outcome. And there's a lot of people who aren't happy with the outcome and they forget that the match itself was really good. In fact, just the promos and the, the videos, that uh, the highlights that went into the footage just when the match started. And you saw kind of The Undertaker during his WrestleMania career. You saw Roman Reigns uh, in his sort of singles career. <clears throat> and at one point, there were like mirror images where you saw Undertaker doing moves, like doing dives over the top rope, doing leg drops. And then you saw them using the same footage and then Roman Reigns doing these dives over the top ropes, these leg drops or the drive-by drop kick that he does. So here you have uh, even The Undertaker doing the last ride powerbomb, Roman Reigns doing that the shield powerbomb or his sit-out powerbomb. So almost they're showing that Roman Reigns is kind of like following in the footsteps of the dead man. You know, maybe Roman Reigns is the next, you know, Undertaker, the the next phenom of the WWE. You know, he's had a, a pretty much a big WrestleMania. Like you said, he, he's been in there with Brock Lesnar. He's been in there with Triple H. They're grooming him for the big time. And now with The Undertaker, this match was a, a really good match. Again, we're approaching the sixth, almost seventh hour of WrestleMania, but the fans came alive for this one. The fans were invested into it. Oh, they yeah. were booing oh, Roman yeah. Reigns. Don't get me wrong. They weren't cheering for him. A lot of people were speculating of... that this is uh, The Undertaker's last match. People on Twitter are saying the Phenom decides to hang his boots. Maybe you, you missed the ending. I don't know, but you will be missed. Thank you, Undertaker. Hashtag. Uh, Deadman, WrestleMania 33, Sad Face, Undertaker, 
Uh, we also have somebody wrote, In my heart, the streak lives on regardless. 25-0, and 0, you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, which is a possibility for next year if he is uh, wrapping it up. And this guy's in his 50s, so I would think it's time, with all due respect, to The Undertaker. But uh, let's see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I thought... Uh, he would have been done when I heard those reports that he was in a wheelchair, which he actually was, yeah. but yeah. nonetheless, uh, yeah. it was a decent match. Um, yeah. I thought yeah. at times the Undertakers were, during the match, uh, before the match, I did pick Roman. Um, I don't know if I picked it on the show, but I did pick Roman uh, because uh, a lot of people made some compelling uh, arguments. Why would they have The Undertaker if this is his last match, they thought, and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, even Roderick Strong says uh, uh, he's talking to somebody and he says, sorry, but this might be the last we see of The Undertaker. And he's talking to uh, some lady, Marina Sharif. Um, But uh, back to the match itself, I thought it was a quality match. Mm-hmm. And uh, a little surprising though. Um, yeah, I mean, that. yeah, the match was classic big man matches. Yeah, exactly. Taker again, like you said, a guy in his fifties. Isn't there with a young guy like Roman Reigns? Although Taker looked good at the start of the match, he was tossing Roman and the Reigns out of there, uh, saying, "This is my yard." You know, he tossed them out of the ring multiple times. He looked good. The fans were doing loud Undertaker chants. You know, Reigns was, was getting back into the ring. He tried to do that drive-by drop kick, but he got countered and got caught by the Undertaker. Undertaker just doing a nice punch to Roman's face while he was in midair, uh, delivering a choke slam on the announcer's table. Uh, you know, then you saw Reigns do a spear to the Undertaker off the, the Spanish announce table. And then Roman's getting into the ring and saying, now this is my yard. And then Taker sitting up, uh, getting back into the ring, delivering the last ride powerbomb. And then, of course, Reigns kicking out. You saw uh, Undertaker grab some steel chairs. And uh, it was just announced before the match had even started that it was a no-holds-barred match. So that was something I didn't really know going into it. But they announced it, no holds barred, anything goes, basically no DQ. Taker grabbing chairs, laying out Roman Reigns, hitting him multiple times. Uh, Reigns then rolling out of the ring, getting his thoughts back, delivering not one but two Superman punches to The Undertaker. Taker then, you know, getting out of it and delivering the choke slam to Reigns on the folding chair, delivering the tombstone pile driver to Roman Reigns, and then Roman Reigns kicking out of the tombstone, and the fans weren't happy. The fans were chanting bullshit when Reigns kicked out of the tombstone. Uh, There was a bit of a a mess-up where Reigns looked like he was trying to perform his own tombstone, and it got a little bit ugly, but uh, Reigns recovered, delivered a fourth uh, Superman punt, followed by a spear, uh, Taker kicking out of the spear, then trapping Roman Reigns in his Hellgate uh, choke. Uh, Roman then breaking out of it, 
and then getting the folding chairs and then bashing the Undertaker with the chairs multiple times, laying out the dead man. Uh, Reigns very aggressive. You know, you don't usually see Reigns that aggressive. Uh, then delivering a spear to the Undertaker, Undertaker kicking out, then delivering, which might have been, I don't know, was it the, the third or fourth spear? Taker kicking out of the fourth spear. Uh, Roman Reigns delivering a fifth Superman punch. The Undertaker trying to do his classic sit-up, but he kind of failed and went back down. And the fans were booing. They saw Taker wasn't getting back up. Roman Reigns was trying to figure out what to do next to beat the Undertaker. And there was only one thing left to do, and that was, I think, the fifth or sixth spear of the night. After that, the ref counted one, the ref counted two, and the ref counted three. The Undertaker loses at WrestleMania to Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns leaving the ring towards the dead man. Uh, Fans giving the Undertaker a huge standing ovation. Uh, Taker putting on his trench coat, putting on his hat. They play The Undertaker's music, but then something happened, and The Undertaker removes his gloves. He took his gloves off, and he put it on the, on the, uh, the squared circle, and then he took his jacket off, and he laid it in the middle of the ring, and then he took his hat off, and then he laid the hat, the gloves, the trench coat, all of his signature items that he used to wear to the ring, and he left it in the middle of the ring, and he left the ring and walked away. And the fans, at this point, this is when fans were wondering what the hell is going on. We Again, we were already like past seven hours. I mean, we basically started the post-show, and the match was, it was still going on. You know, Taker was still, you know, leaving all of his gear in the ring, walking out of that, you know, that 80-yard ramp. And uh, watching Undertaker walk away like that, I mean, that's a big exit. They never made it official. They didn't say this was a retirement match. There was no stipulation that he would be fired. But it just seems like after all that, and as you mentioned, King, Taker's had a lot of surgeries over the years. We don't know how his body's holding up. It's a miracle that he's even able to do these matches at WrestleMania. He's in the ring with these guys that are, you know, more than half his age, and he's performing at the highest level. Uh, And how much more can he go? You know, what more can he really do? You know, how much more can you drag it out before, you know, maybe it costs him? And then that's the point that you even mentioned at the start of the show where he was leaving the ring and he went to ringside, and he went to, you know, hug and kiss his wife, Michelle McCool, uh, former women's or divas champion. She's with The Undertaker now in real life. And uh, I think, I really think this, maybe this is it. You know, I, I can't see Undertaker coming back after he laid it all out in the middle of the ring like that. that that's how you do a send-off. And I think that was maybe the dirty's way of, you know, sending The Undertaker off. That was, uh, seemed to be at least, and, uh, he had a great career, Mr. Calloway. So, uh, very long WrestleMania, almost a day's worth. 
But uh, what it was worth, yeah. I'll give it a seven out of ten. What about you? Yeah, this this was a, a really solid match. Undertaker looked good. I mean, we all remember his match with Brock Lesnar, and people thought that he should have retired then. I mean, the match was not good. He got, he was hurt though. In all in his defense, he did have, he did suffer a concussion ringside on the floor, uh, and that kind of hurt the match. So maybe it didn't look so great. But uh, you know, since then he wrestled Bray Wyatt, got his win back. Uh, he wrestled Shane McMahon last year, which everybody, of course, remembers that. And uh, now is what would have been his 25th match at WrestleMania. So you're talking about over, you know, a quarter of a, uh, a century, this guy has been a part of WrestleMania. 33 WrestleManias, and this guy's had 25 matches uh, at WrestleMania. That's, you know, unbelievable. I mean, and they're... There are some big moments. I mean, the streak, yeah, the streak ended, so maybe it's not as impressive, but uh, what a way to go out. Not just WrestleMania, but, I mean, the career, the longevity. I mean, really, if you think about the character of The Undertaker, he's supposed to be a dead man, you know. Let's let's face facts. That, that character should not work. He's basically a walking zombie. How could you buy into that? But yet he's so good. He's so believable, and he gets you into his persona. He gets you into his character that you just you can't help but just love the guy. You know, the choke slam, the tombstone, all his signature moves. He just, he really is the undertaker. You buy into it. You know, when he turns the lights on in the arena, it's special. When he walks down the ramp and you hear that gong and they have the smoke, uh, the fog, you know, ringside, you know, it's special. And he has had, like you said, a hell of a career, a hell of a run, almost damn near 30 years, you know, in the WWE. I mean, it is just unbelievable. What a great career. It sucks to see it end if this is his final match. But, you know, nothing lasts forever. And uh, it was just uh, his time to go. No question about it. So we won't be back uh, tomorrow night after all, but we will be back. Uh, a week from tomorrow night, uh, April 10th. Um, So uh, we will check in back then. So, uh, JJ, we will speak to you uh, next week here on King Jordan Radio. Thanks so much for reviewing it. You you take care, King. I hope you enjoyed WrestleMania. Have a great week. Uh, Much like the WrestleMania theme song said, you know, I'm ready to go. So it's uh, time to go, friends. Okay, good night. Oh, yeah. Red light, green light. Everybody take a shot. Red light, green light. Give me everything you got. Red light, make 305. <laughs> Flow rider and lunch money. Three Miami boys, you know what time it is. Give me the green light. Cause I'm ready to go. Let's have a good time. Let's go. What you waiting for? You only got one life. And we gon' live it up. So give me the green light. 
Give me the green. 